With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam. And Andrea Graham. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Supergirl, Truth, Justice, and the American Way, as well as Supergirl number three and Doctor Who, The Four Doctors. So we start off with uh, Supergirl, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. And the episode begins with Maxwell Lord wanting to get released after helping to save Kara's life in the previous episode. However, she doesn't want to do that given that he knows her secret identity. created an evil clone, Bizarro, and is just generally one of the nastiest people on the planet. However, then they run into the Master Jailer, a guard uh, from Fort Ross who is executing criminals. And at the same time, Cat gets kind of suspicious about what happened to Maxwell Lord. Uh, which uh, leads to uh, James being put in a very uncomfortable situation because he knows exactly where Maxwell Lord is. And it really does put him into a big moral dilemma because Cat Grant wants to find out and Lucy is digging up clothes. And it leads to a great moment with Miss Grant uh, telling him basically he's got to tell the truth and uh, telling the story about her ignoring domestic violence when doing a puff piece, which leads to him confronting Kara. Uh, and I thought it was a wonderful scene, that confrontation. And of course, it did build some uh, tension also into the whole relationship with Lucy. He's going to have to choose some point, Lucy or Supergirl. Yeah, because there is this whole thing, and when referred to it, he's not being fair. And he makes the suggestion that Kara needs to reveal her, needs to let him reveal her secret identity to Lucy so that he can stop uh, lying to Lucy. That is him naively hoping to avoid having to choosing. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's really what he's doing that has been doing this whole well, not this whole season, but at least these last several episodes has really been unfair. And I think it is all coming to a head, and it, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, Carr was really interesting in this episode. In some ways, her uh, attitude of you have to do what ta- it takes. Some of what she was saying about Maxwell Lord almost reminded me of Astra. Because, uh, you know, and you were kind of seeing how uh, without someone to check her, uh, even somebody of very good character with unlimited power, uh, it can ultimately lead them in a bad path. Well, they are related. And, of course, the whole death of uh, Aunt Astra was playing in the episode, particularly with the tension between her and Hank. 
and with Alex um, wanting to tell Kara, but never quite getting around to it. Um, of course, the episode uh, really does try to draw the parallel between the Master Jailer, who is actually a Fort Ross guard, and was capturing all of the previous prisoners in order of prisoner number and executing them. And uh, the big rule with a vigilante like that, and that most writers seem to follow, is basically uh, the audience, they figure, will sympathize with them as long as the person is executing scumbags who were imprisoned in an alien prison and were more likely to wreak havoc on Earth. So what does he do? He decides to kidnap a professor who was a criminal who turned to drugs uh, who was basically a man who turned to dealing drugs in desperation because his wife was ill. Which, for those of you into American television, is basically the plot of Breaking Bad in space. But, in this case, he's captured on his first run and he's sentenced to 18 years in prison. And uh, the guard still does decide to execute him, despite him ser having served his sentence and being marooned on Earth and having lost his family. I, I kind of find that, when writers do that, it's kind of a way of avoiding the difficult um, moral issue. Because it's like, okay, you know, executing people without due process, it's, uh, it's basically saying it's only wrong if they aren't really bad people. Or if you start doing it, you'll start doing it to people who really aren't all that bad. But it's the attempt to make us uh, buy in with uh, sympathy. And, of course, he was about ready to execute Kara in this episode. It kind of, the episode did kind of have an abrupt ending in that regard. And, of course, before we do wrap up, we should discuss Siobhan, uh, who Cat uh, Grant hired as her new assistant, her second assistant, however... She's decided to refer to Siobhan as assistant number one and Kara as assistant number two to annoy Kara. And you, you just kind of wonder why Kat doesn't fire Kara. And apparently the best thing is that because, you know, and I've heard this about women with revenge, that a man would just simply go ahead and fire her. However, a woman would want to make her suffer. And if you fired Kara, there would be no more way to make her suffer. So instead, she punishes her with Siobhan. And I really, I don't like the character. I don't think I'm meant to. It's just another uh, difficulty for Kara. And from a writing perspective, I question whether she needs another difficulty. Plus the whole scene where they were, uh, where Siobhan was texting Kara and Kara was responding out loud and that created the embarrassment that I was kind of like, okay, why wasn't she just texting her back? Because we've seen in previous episodes that Kara does know how to text message back. He's like, why, Kara? Why? Are you letting that woman play you for fool? Though, uh, at the end of the episode, it has been resolved that apparently she's going to war, as much as Kara can go to war in the office, and we'll see how that plays out um, in the next episode. Overall thoughts. Um, I would, 
say that the episode, the abrupt ending, and I, I was, and while I thought that the actor speeches were well done, I did wonder if the political overtones were a bit much. Still, I, I will give the episode a solid seven out of ten. What political overtones? You know, the, well, this all ties into the war on terror and uh, detainees and all of that. Uh, James even referenced it as being like a Gitmo there that they were having for these aliens. And that now they had Maxwell Lord there. So, what do you say for your rating? Like a pretty good episode 8, I guess. Alright, well now we move on to uh, Adventures of Supergirl number 3, which wraps up the whole uh, storyline in which they've been fighting uh, a female alien rage creature. And what better way to back to wrap up a big, exciting action story that's featured fighting in a football stadium and walking around in a sewer, and a lot of backstory with even more backstory on this character and how she came to be there. It was kind of interesting, but it was also kind of long. It was a, you know, 23-page comic, and it seemed like the backstory on this character and her motivations and her whole history went on and on. In fact, in the comic, Kara even uh, complained about her going on so long about her backstory. But she was in prison in a material that she couldn't get out of. It does show a little bit of Kara's heart, and there's even a hint of, at the end that she had a concern about the Danvers family, someone in there, hiding something from her or not telling her the full truth which wouldn't be the first time. And this does tie into what's going on with the TV show, with Alex not telling her that she's behind the killing of Anne Astra. It's really puffy. Um, this whole thing has been, I mean, how many uh, comics have been spent on this storyline now? It was three issues, though they're a little well, shorter than it's normal. Just like, this should have been one, this should have been condensed into one issue. For yeah. It's just a whole lot of fluff. Yeah, it really is long, really too long for a tie-in. It should have been a lot more direct and to the point. Overall, this was the best part of this of the story, and I would be willing to give this particular issue a 6 out of 10, and the whole storyline about a 5. Reluctant even to rate you until the end. Let's say a four. Four, wow. Well, we'll, we'll try the next storyline, see if it gets any better. But if it doesn't, we may just stop with this particular story. And now we turn to Doctor Who. And once again, it's up to Titan Comics to provide us a Doctor Who fix during this 15-month hiatus. And we have four Doctors, in which we have three of the Doctor's companions, companion of the 10th Doctor, Gabby, Alice, and Clara, come together in a Paris cafe with the goal of Clara to manipulate the timelines to make sure that the 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors don't go to uh, Marinus, which was a place that the uh, first Doctor went on television and was later uh, covered by Big Finish in an audio uh, drama, which I talked about a few weeks ago. And 
And overall, we're given a pretty good story. I think all of the doctors were very well characterized, particularly the 12th, as being somewhat sarcastic and condescending and giving nicknames to his uh, previous selves. And we also got to see a couple of alternate doctors, and the one uh, doctor behind it all, a uh, version of the 12th Doctor. And the whole idea of the story is that... Uh, different decisions managed to change uh, the doctor's lives and their course. It was kind of an interesting idea that if the 10th doctor had basically decided to save himself rather than Wilf in his uh, final story, that uh, Doctor Who ratings would have been much better. No, no, instead the 10th doctor would have become a, a tyrannical dictator. Although a benevolent one. And if the 12th doctor decided not to forgive Clara when she tried to hijack the TARDIS at the end of Series 8 when Danny Pink died, would have created another reality. It is kind of, the whole story does kind of play into being an illustration of the idea. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that you make decisions and then those decisions uh, turn around and make you, as uh, Reverend Haddon, Ro Haddon Robinson has said. Why would he ever not have forgiven her? Made sense to me. Well, if you recall in that episode, her plan was to take the TARDIS to a volcanic planet and threaten to throw all of the TARDIS keys into a volcano, stranding him outside of the TARDIS unless he agreed to break the laws of time and go back and save uh, Danny Pink. So that was a pretty serious betrayal she was planning on attempting. Though I do agree that it would have been a little bit out of character given how devoted the 12th Doctor was to Clara. I also have to admit... Yeah, he himself into an old man to establish healthy boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> in the relationship. Because he's like, oh no, I've done the whole falling in love with a girl human before. Not doing it, you're like... A fraction of my age, kiddo. Here, maybe this will this can make things a little bit more clear. Yeah. I should be thinking of you as a daughter or a granddaughter, not a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was a little unclear about is how they get to the count of four doctors. Because uh, there are three main doctors in the story. However, there's an alternate 12th Doctor, who's an uh, older 12th Doctor, who's behind uh, this. And there is an appearance by the War Doctor, who was also key to this. And there's a cameo by the 9th Doctor. So either there were short Doctors or long Doctors. And there are also some nice little humorous pieces uh, at the end of each issue, which are just really cute to read. A part of it, uh, sorry, I just had a thought thinking about the doctor and his age change. Is part of it was he probably still had hopes of running back into River again. And um, he, I believe it's been observed that the 12th doctor is physically closer to River's age. Yeah. It's probably an indication that he was still very strongly sweet on River, that he felt the need to put that type as well as as much as it is a mitigation, he felt the need to put some proper boundaries in place in his relationship with Clara. Uh, fair enough, uh, giving him a lot of credit for control of the regenerations. Mm -hmm. But back to the comic itself, it's really finely uh, 
uh, fun in the way it's drawn. It's not a great story, but it plays around a lot with time. And it's the type of episode of uh, story we're probably not going to see on television, particularly before Stephen Moffat lives is, or, or is uh, showrunner, as he said he kind of wanted to avoid any multi-doctor stories after the 50th anniversary show. So overall, I found this a really fun read, well-written, and um, I, would not, I would give it a solid uh, 7 out of 10. All right, well, that's it for now. Uh, coming up later on this week, we'll be talking about The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. In the meantime, from Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. And Andrew Graham. Signing off. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.